When I joined Yext to be the head of healthcare, I was asked, do you think this healthcare thing is a thing? Have you ever wondered, how'd she end up with that job? Or maybe, wonder what his background is. Welcome to How I Got Here. I'm Carrie Lykin, and this is How I Got Here. I'm your host, Reed Smith. All right. Well, Carrie, thanks for uh, coming on the show. I know this is a little bit different than probably normal podcast interviews and normal just interviews in general, I guess, <laughs> that you're part of. But I appreciate you coming on and and, uh, and chatting for a little bit. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you. So let's let's start here. Where did where did you grow up? I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, a suburb outside of Pittsburgh called Fox Chapel. Fox Chapel. So, and I know you and I have talked about this a little bit, but growing up, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you thought, you know, medicine, at least in some sense, was in your future. Is that fair? Yes, pretty much since I would say maybe fourth grade, I wanted to be a doctor. And then in sixth grade, we did a, every everyone in the entire sixth grade class did something called the Human Body Notebook where you'd have a three ring binder and you took a whole year and you studied the entire human body. And I thought it was the absolute coolest thing ever. And I, and I was convinced from that point on that I was going to become probably some sort of doctor. I was convinced that I was going to do something with the heart, in fact. So from that point on, I was into it. I wanted to do it. I was obsessed with it. I volunteered in hospitals whenever I was... <laughs> um, in high school, I volunteered in rehab institutions for PT and physical therapy to understand that part. And then also my parents owned a home care company. So I understood healthcare mm. from the home care side of things too, because, you know, as it was a family business, I also had the opportunity to work there during the week, during my summers. I used to alphabetize time cards. I would help place nurse assistants. So I had, I was, I was literally thinking that I was going to be in healthcare, but I thought that I would be a doctor, not on the business side. Not on the business side. So, so post high school, you're headed to pre-med. So you go to school where? I went, where's the, what's the plan? I went to Duke. I applied early. Uh, to Duke. I got uh-huh. in early and I thought that they didn't have a pre-med major. So you could take all of your pre-med courses that would help you to take the MCAT, but you could major in whatever yep. you wanted, which was nice because it meant that I could have a well-rounded experience. And I was pretty obsessed with economics in high school. I know I sound like I'm such a um, interesting person, so nerdy, but I really <laughs> liked economics. I liked... Um, both micro and macroeconomics, and I liked current events, but I also really liked medicine. So I ended up majoring in public policy studies and minoring in political science, and then also taking, at least for my first year, taking my mathematics and my chemistry courses. 
And the funniest thing was I was so obsessed with becoming a doctor until I took that first chemistry class and I had to be in four hours of lab every single week. And Duke is in North Carolina. I came from Pittsburgh, which was a pretty cloudy city most of the time. I entered the land of sunshine in North Carolina, and then I found myself in four hours of lab every single week, literally pipetting water drops. And I thought, I think I'm ready to gouge my eyes out. I cannot do this. And if this is what my life is going to be like (laughs) for the next four plus years, I don't think this is for me. So I had, I would say I had a pretty big crisis during that freshman year of college because I had realized that if I was going to go through that science route, I was going to spend more time indoors than outdoors and I just didn't love it enough. And yet I was loving my other Uh. classes that I was taking, my econ classes and my policy classes and understanding what's going on in current events and then reading the New York Times and being able to actually decipher what was going on in the New York Times because I was learning about things. It just was a different kind of excitement and I thought, what am I gonna do? What am I going to do? And I called home one day and I just said, I just don't think medicine's for me. And my parents flipped out and I was flipping out. And I mean, you're (laughs) like 18, 19 years old. This is pretty funny. But at the end of the day, I just decided this isn't for me and I'm not going to do it. So I gave up my medicine aspirations at that moment. (laughs) At least for now, right? (laughs) At least Uh, for now. Yeah. At least to... At least on that side of the uh, that side of the healthcare world, yes. Yes, absolutely. So, so uh, you go through the next couple of years at Duke. You graduate. Um, what's the is the first job out of college in healthcare? It's not. So, what's interesting about that piece of my experience is that I ended up working in the political science department at Duke. And I worked for someone who did polling and analyzed poll data for presidential campaigns and elections, which was really interesting at the time. And I was his research assistant and I would analyze the data and I would try to understand what was going on with all of these huge data sets that would come from the University of Michigan and from the um, I can't remember what they were called, but all these different institutions in D.C. Mm -hmm. And we would have these weekly meetings and he would always be late, always be late. And so I would sit outside of his office and the person who had his office next to his was a professor emeritus and he was a foreign policy professor. And he would always see me sitting there and he would ask me about why am I there? What am I doing? And we'd, we'd engage in a conversation to the point where we started to get to know each other. And he was a big runner. I was a big runner. He was part of the Duke Roadrunners crew. I was part of the Duke Roadrunners crew. We would run together. So we became friends. And I was expressing to him that I was having this, I was having this moment where I didn't necessarily know what I was going to do with my life because I wasn't going to become a doctor anymore. I really liked this political science and public policy stuff, but I didn't want to necessarily go into the investment banking or the consulting world, which is basically what everybody at Duke did when they graduated, that they didn't go to professional school. And he had said to me at one point, it's very interesting that you're having these issues because a couple of years ago, I was talking to another student who also was having similar issues with just trying to figure out what does she want to do with her life And she ended up working for a Duke Law grad who lived in Tampa, Florida for a a one to two year internship. And that springboarded her into a law career. And I thought, well, my mom's pushing me to be 
in uh, in the whole law school arena. So I don't really want to do that. But if I were to think through this, maybe this would give me a good background into the law firm side of things. So why not give it a try? What he didn't tell me exactly at that moment was that that experience was going to be very life-changing for me because the lawyer uh, is blind. So when I went down there for my interview with the law firm, with the lawyer, I knew at the time that he was blind, but I didn't realize how much of the eyes I would end up being for the next two years. So I took this job in a law firm, moved to Tampa, Florida, where nobody at Duke moves to. They all moved to DC or New York. And I started out my life, not in medicine, but in law, in a world where I literally was somebody's eyes. 24 seven. Wow. It was fascinating. Yes. So then you go from law to architecture. Do you just make your way like around all the professional? <laughs> I, I didn't do any okay. architecture. Right. No. Well, I just, you know, <laughs> no, that's you could hit all the, all the, uh, the staples, <laughs> uh, maybe accounting at some point or, uh, yeah, I get his yeah, job. yeah. Yeah. So that's fascinating. So, I mean, what, no, what but, did that teach you though? I mean, how, how, what, what did you learn having to be somebody's eyes for, I mean, for two years, that's a long time, quite honestly, especially at that point in your life that, that, you know, how has that served you today? So what's fun about it was that I was exposed to it at a very young age. I was exposed to a lot of different things and what got me in, interested in healthcare on the back end was because of this experience. And so a, I was, I was his eyes, and so I was in every single meeting that he went to. So I was at lunch meetings, I was at drink meetings, I was at dinner meetings, and then I was at day meetings. And we, I mean, I was exposed to CEOs of organizations in New York City, like the CEO of Citigroup or Citibank. I met five presidents. We traveled wow. all over the world. I met the president of Costa Rica. He was on the board of Duke Law School, so we would then travel to all of these different places where we would go and meet with other very, very uh, elevated individuals. And it just taught me a ton about how to be in a meeting and what what these types of individuals care about. So I think that was really interesting. The other piece of it, though, was that he was very involved in Washington, D.C. So I would say that my second home for those two years was the Mayflower Hotel in Washington, D.C. I knew every staff member there. We had our uh, we had the same rooms pretty much every time we stayed there. Uh, he would have one room and I would have the other room that was literally across from each other. So that it would be easy for me to pick him up and, and take him back uh, during the, um, the pick up and drop off times. But also then he was involved in a lot of lobbying. I understood the appropriations process and he was very involved in just understanding like what's going on with the Department of Health and Human Services. And he was plugged into Department of Labor. So I got a big exposure to healthcare specifically, but just legal things and government things just from my exposure of just walking the halls and walking, um, talking to senators and members of the house all throughout those two years that I was there. So I never really actually lived in Tampa. I lived on planes and I lived in the Mayflower Hotel, but I also started to get exposure to what else is out there, um, especially on the 
healthcare side, what else is out there that's not necessarily on the clinical side, but what people are doing and how they're trying to impact the industry in other ways. And he was doing it too through his That's work. fascinating. So, um, it was fascinating. I, I mean, I can even imagine as a, you know, uh, young 20 something, you know, flying around the world, meeting presidents and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it, it's funny that the twist and turn, you know, where we think we're headed and where we actually end up. And, uh, it's just, it's fascinating. And so, um, I think uh, if we could, let's skip ahead just a little bit to, um, you, you landing at Google. Um, so how, how does that come about? How, how do you end up, of course, that's, you know, it's one of those brands. I mean, there's been obviously movies about it. Like what, what was that? The internship? Was that the one with, uh, yeah. Right? So yes. That's not, that's how, not how you got it. there. Yeah. So, um, but, but people think of, you know, Google, Facebook, Twitter, you know, all these places that they think, oh my gosh, it would be amazing to work there and there's slides and free food and, you know, ping pong tables and, and all that kind of good stuff, which there is, which there all is, stuff. but how, mm-hmm. how do you end up there? Yeah. Well, from my time working with the lawyer, I then moved to D.C. for a few years, and I worked in a nonprofit there as well, and then moved to Boston to go to grad school. So I went to the Harvard Kennedy School for grad school, and I focused on health policy and negotiation while I was there. And the program is a two-year program. So the class ahead of me, uh, you're very it's a small program, so we all knew each other. And so the cl- in the class ahead of me, there was somebody who had graduated and then had moved to California to work in Google's uh, communications and press office. And I had heard that Google Boston was just this tiny little office and that they were trying to grow it. And while I was at the Kennedy School, I just thought, I need to get some for-profit experience. I've had all of these random experiences in nonprofit and in the law firm world and having exposure to business, but never really had the business experience. So this might be a really interesting opportunity. Let me just email her and see what she knows about this Google Boston office. I emailed her. She said, oh, well, come to the, come to think of it, I actually do the press and the PR for this office. Let me take your resume and let me see what I can do. And lo and behold, within a few months, I then had a job offer from Google. And there were about 20 people in the office at the time, mostly engineers. And when I joined, we were trying to figure out on the business side, how do you start to drive revenue for this office? They literally didn't know what the business side of the world there was going to do to keep the lights on. And Google was small enough at the time. I think it was less than 10,000 people globally. So at that point, it was easier to get in. It was, uh, we had an opportunity to make a pretty big impact and we had the opportunity to grow the office quite significantly as well. So by the time I left eight and a half years later, we went from 20 people to 1300 people. So it was extremely rapid growth over that time, but it was just this teeny tiny thing and it all came from just a connection that I had from grad school. That's amazing. so what, what's the healthcare fit there? I mean, I know ultimately, you know, what that is, but tell people maybe a little bit about, you know, you, you go in to get this experience. Well, how does, how does everything start to kind of gravitate back towards healthcare again? <laughs> That's a good question because people are probably thinking there is no direction here whatsoever. <laughs> so <laughs> what was interesting about the experience there was that I knew that I wanted to join a for-profit organization and I knew I wanted to do something in healthcare, but this didn't seem to have a natural link. And it didn't. I mean, there was absolutely no 
link. And I had looked and I had gotten job offers from the advisory board and some other organizations where I knew I would go straight into healthcare. But the prospect of working for Google seemed to be too interesting to turn down. And I knew I would try to make something out of it. And within a couple of months, it was fascinating because we literally had the opportunity to start the healthcare group within the AdWords business unit from scratch out of the Boston office. And and I raised my hand as high as I could. And I said, I have this focus area. I have background in it. I have interest in it. I always wanted to be a doctor. I really want to do this. I want to be on the landing team for this. And so I have this, I have this binder from sixth grade. The, the entire... <laughs> binder from sixth grade and I have every single <laughs> body system yeah. and I can, I can map this out. I know everything about healthcare. So, um, there wasn't much of an argument. I mean, <laughs> there were three of us. We basically started from scratch. They brought out a couple of accounts from the Mountain View office, but we, we basically had to start, we had to build lists. We had, uh, I called it dial for dollars. I started the hospital group where we would take a look at all, we would just build all of these lists of all of these health systems across the country. And then we would try to look through TNS data at the time. I don't even know if that still exists to try to understand where are they looking and spending and investing their marketing dollars. And then we would just try to understand, do you think they would ever have an understanding of how to shift dollars from traditional to digital we would build campaigns we would understand talking points we would try to build stories we started initial bits of research uh, we even did a study with compete which is one that i quote all of the time in 2012 trying to help educate the market on how people are using digital channels to find health information so we went from this teeny tiny little team to driving a significant amount of revenue uh, for the the healthcare business altogether, and it was it was awesome. It was so great, and it was not a hundred percent planned, but it definitely was an opportunity where I stepped in. And I said, "I really want to do this. Healthcare is coming out here. I want to do this. I would like to try to grow this." And I had the opportunity to do it, and I even was able to move over to India for a little while to help grow our healthcare wow. team over there that supported us over here. And then even moved to Brazil for four months to do that as well for the, to help open the Google uh, Sao Paulo office down there. Same thing. Try to do, you know, try to scale it. So it just gave me a lot of opportunities. But at the end of the day, I still fell back on the, on the healthcare side of things. So I would always come back to my team and always come back to healthcare. Yeah, I guess you could just tell them, like, I know how to spell electrophysiology or something, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Relative to keywords and stuff, I can be really strategic around, you know, all the misspellings for an endocrinologist or, you know, whatever it is. So. Uh, it's a big one that the, the legal team would come up with is mesothelioma. So <laughs> if, <laughs> mesothelioma. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, all right. So um, that has to be, you, you, I think you mentioned it eight, eight plus years um, that had to have been, you know, an amazing ride from 20 to 1300. Of course you're in Boston, which is, which is a, a cool place anyway. Um you know, how did, and you talked about the hospital, kind of the hospital practice or the health system practice or what have you, uh, what, how did that evolve over that time? I mean, did you see people uh, making concerted efforts to, because I, I feel like we're still asking people to change. <laughs> we still are. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yes and no. So 
I would say pretty much my entire digital career, so post-Harvard uh, Kennedy School career, trying to educate individuals on the value of digital channels. It's been sometimes, and I hate to say it this way, but it does feel like this often, like banging my head against the wall. Like, you can get it. I know you will. One day you will get this. Like, it's like please. But the, the funny thing is, is that sometimes organizations would look at it and say, well, not especially early on. It's not really proven yet, so we're not going to invest in it. Others would say, this looks good. We'll just allocate a little bit of our strategy to it, so this will be just fine. And then others would just ignore it altogether. So I just feel like I learned a lot about how to tell a story and how to use data to tell a story because the only thing that would really penetrate would be the data points. And the fortunate thing, and I think we've talked about this a lot before, is that we would have these internal data points that nobody else had. We would yeah. have access to Google search data. That no, I mean, you could go to Google Trends now and you can get indexed data and indexed searches. But we had the legitimate search <sighs> data. We could tell people what the public was searching for and we could showcase even, I mean, the fun, the really interesting thing would be when um, the Super Bowl would come around every year. So then you can actually see the correlated searches for mm. certain things that the ads on the Super Bowl would be showing. And then the searches the next day, I mean, we could see it in real time pretty much. So that would show a lot. So it taught me a lot about how do I take data and then make a story out of it so that I can tell this story that hopefully will help to persuade people to start to move and to change? But at Google, you you think that the world exists around Google. So we would walk into these organizations and we'd be like, of course, you should do Google. Google's the best. Google is the only thing you think about. And now that I've left Google, I have a much better appreciation and understanding of all of the different elements of what healthcare marketers especially are focused on and what things are coming at them all the time. And it's not just Google. <laughs> so um, it's a, it's more nuanced, but when you're at Google, you definitely have a, I'm putting on the lens of Google and that's the only thing that yep. you should be thinking of. So I'm not sure I want to know everything people are searching for. Um, <laughs> That's, that sounds like a really slippery slope and not You would be really surprised. Or actually, uh, maybe you wouldn't be surprised. I don't, There's I don't some know. really interesting things people are searching for, especially uh, yeah. related to health. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. I don't know. That, that's a, that's another topic for another day. But Yeah. Um, so I, I do want to hit on this because I'd be remiss if I didn't. So um, you did not become a doctor, but you married a doctor. I did. Yeah. Yes. And so, so I like to say that I eat, sleep, breathe, and, I, and I'm even <laughs> married to healthcare. <laughs> That's right. You're literally married to healthcare. Um, well, and so we, we also have a little bit of a connection there. My brother uh, has Down syndrome. For those that that know me, know that. And your your husband, uh, his his focus, research, insights, uh, kind of you want to frame that, I guess, is um, around Down syndrome research. Is that yeah. fair? Yes, I like to say, and Yext doesn't like me to say this because they say, how do you prove that? But I like to say that he's the world's expert on Down syndrome. Well, I believe it. So I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll also perpetuate that. So um, so did you meet him, I guess, after you moved to Boston? Because he, he's at Mass General, right, in, in working in, that, in the Boston area? So we met on the first day of freshman orientation at Duke. No kidding. So 
met, yeah, long time ago, but we ended up not dating uh, for seven years. So we were just friends in college. And then a couple of years after graduation, he had moved right after graduation. He had moved up to Boston to go to medical school up at Harvard and then just stayed here through medical school, residency, fellowship, and now he's at MGH. So he moved here immediately. And so we, we dated long distance uh, about seven years after our initial meeting. Wow. Amazing. Yes. Amazing. Yes. All right. So you leave Google. You're at Yext now. Yes. Doing what? Uh, very interesting. I... <laughs> Similar to what I did at Google, where I was trying to, when I first started at Google and I was trying to figure out with the, the other team members, like, how do you actually make a business out of this office? When I joined Yext to be the head of healthcare, I was asked initially during some interviews, do you think this healthcare thing is a thing? And given what Yext does just to help organize information uh, in a platform and then syndicate it out to places like Google, which is where I had lots of challenges and troubles um, with our customer data when I was working on the AdWords side of things. I said, yes, absolutely, this is definitely a thing. So I've been tasked for the last three, three and a half years to help grow the business, understand the strategy, as well as uh, what is our go-to-market strategy, and then help to build the product as well. So I get to wear all of these really fun hats during the course of any day and any week. I mean, today I had a marketing hat on for a little while. I had some product hat. I was doing some negotiations um, for some some product-related things today. I was writing some competitive materials. I mean, I, I literally wear hats every other second. And it's a, it's a fun way to have jumped into a leadership role from what I was doing at Google, where I can still be part of the digital space, still be part of healthcare, but then also still be building something, which is what I recognize through the course of looking back. I really like the building of things. And I like the, the ability to look back and say, wow, look at how far we came. Once we start to yeah. go into the sustainer mode, I'm not as interested anymore. So <laughs> I'm still in builder mode and I'm really happy about it, but I do like that. And that's what I, I get to do it yet. Well, and it sounds like um, you like to structure information. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, even if you go back to the home care days of working for your parents, uh, of alphabetizing cards and you know structuring data there, you're still structuring yeah. data today, I guess. So it's uh, yeah. My husband likes to say I like to make order out of chaos. There you go. There you go. Mm -hmm. That is very mm -hmm. cool. That is very cool. Yes. Um, well, what's uh, you know, I get asked a lot because uh, it's funny. You know, what I do for a living and what I've done now for some years did not exist when I was in school. Um, I mean, Ooh. I have a marketing degree, right? But like, social media didn't exist. The web barely existed. Um, and so it's, it's funny as I think about like, whether it be my kids or uh, people that are interning here where, where I work or, you know, those types of things, I look at them and I think, you know, you're probably not doing today in, unless it's a trade, right? I mean, if you're, um, if you're a lawyer, uh, a doctor, it, stuff changes within the profession, certainly, but I mean, it's a little more defined who you are and what you do. Um, it, it, do you do you feel or kind of what is your advice, I guess, on people wanting to, quote unquote, do what we do? Like what 
what kind of advice do you have for them as they're going to school? I mean, you made the switch obviously from the clinician role, but you're still in healthcare. Um, how, how do you think about that now? Hmm. Good question. I think, so I think it's going to become harder and harder to actually have the prescribed role, like the, the medical or the legal or even the accountant. Those are going to be, those will always be there. But I think if somebody sets out to do something outside of that, you say, oh, I want to be a digital media specialist or something to that effect. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the something that you can necessarily aspire to. But what I look back on and I think about is I was always interested in technology from the moment we got our first IBM PS2 back in the, I don't even know, was it the 90s maybe? And dial up, I dialed into Prodigy, I had the modem, I would dial into my email and communicate with people that Mm -hmm. way. And I was always into the latest thing, whatever that was, the latest technology. And then I always was really interested in this content matter, like the, the healthcare side of things, but I was coming at it from all these different ways. And I would say, instead of saying, I want to be XYZ, I would recommend just by looking back at what I did and sort of stumbling upon it is, what am I really interested in and where are the intersection points and how do I how do I get as good at any of them or how do I read up on it or how do I master whatever those intersection points are? Or maybe how do I master one or two things and then try to build the intersection points? So for me, just being really on top of the healthcare stuff because I just really loved it and really loved the industry pieces of it and loved the the news articles about it and married a doctor, just being interested in that side of things, but then also the technology side and um, developing that type of interest and core skill. Somehow it just ended up coming together. I also raised my hand quite a bit, but it ended up coming together in a way that I was able to lead myself into the, um, the digital the digital space when I think that this is the ripe time for it anyway. So it was sort of like right place, right time, but also just taking my interests and trying to figure out how do I bring those interests together as opposed to saying, I will be this. Because clearly that didn't work for me. I will be a doctor didn't work. <laughs> I had to try something new anyway. <laughs> well, um, I think that's a, that's a great place to, uh, to stop. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on and chatting for a few minutes and just talking about your background and kind of how you got to where you are. So thanks again. And I look forward to uh, talking to you soon. Thanks. It was fun. Thanks for tuning in and listening to this episode of How I Got Here. How I Got Here is powered by Touchpoint Media Network. To learn more about this show and others like it, visit us online at touchpoint.health. Till next time, I'm your host, Reed Smith.